commonly known today, the fourth Sunday of Easter, as Good Shepherd Sunday, because every year we hear a fragment of the Good Shepherd, the sermon about how Jesus talks about how he is the Good Shepherd to the Pharisees. There's a lot of directions that this is usually taken, whether it's vocations or hearing the Word of God. My sheep know me and I know my sheep. But I'd like to take it in the direction of distinguishing the difference between good shepherds and hirelings. Because a lot of times in the Gospels, when Jesus makes distinguish, I mean, differentiations between two types of people, they're not all that different, right? You have the sheep and the goats, not all that different. We have the wheat and the weeds. Those need to grow up to see which one is different, because at first they're not all that different. And so it is with the shepherds and the hirelings. They're not all that different. A sheep doesn't know the difference between a good shepherd and a hireling. The only time that the difference truly comes out is in times of trouble, in times of tribulation. And so the bad news is, is that if we want to discern whether I am similar to the good shepherd or similar to a hireling is that it might always be too late because we will have already abandoned our flock, the people that we are in charge of, the people that we are responsible for whenever trouble hits. But there is another litmus test I think that we can examine ourselves by. And it's not Simply, you know, okay, how did I mess this situation up? How was I not present for the ones who I am responsible for? But it's, do I identify with the people I am responsible for? Do I identify with the people that I am responsible for? And so do I lay down my life for those people? We see it in the, in the real clear Uh, example of Christ himself, who though he identifies himself as the shepherd, in order to more deeply identify himself with his flock, in his greatest act of love, becomes the Lamb of God. He becomes one of the sheep. He identifies himself as one of the sheep, becoming the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. But this love kind of seems untenable a lot of times. We traditionally define this kind of love in Christian theology as agape. This is the love of God, which does not seek its own interests, but the good of the other. And while on the other hand, there's this disinterested agape kind of love, there is this eros love, this love that desires the good for oneself. And again, it seems as if this kind of altruism is not attainable and that it's just kind of a fairy tale. Sure, it's the way that God loves us, but because we can never love that way, this is why we worship God. And that's simply not true. We've kind of driven a hard line between the difference between Eros and Agape. And it seems as if it's not profitable. There's this movie that I was supposed to watch, and I watched maybe like a third of it because it was three and a half hours long, um, but called A Hidden Life, and it's a beautiful movie. 
And while, you know, at times I had fallen asleep during it and taken a phone call during it, at the very end of the movie, the, sorry, the plot of the movie is that this man is living in Austria at the time of World War II. And living in Austria, he is asked to fight for the Nazi army. And he refuses to. And throughout the movie, you see this man suffering and this man's family suffering. And you never see him profit from this. And this man is relatively unknown. And at the end of the movie, after he dies for not, you know, from um, not consenting to fighting in the Nazi army, there's this quote that flashes across the screen. It says, the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. The growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts and that things that are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who have lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. And so we admire this kind of love that movies are made out of, but at the end of the day, this man died, and he lost his family. And he's not gone down in history. And so we look at the appeal of being a hireling, that is, loving others for my own sake, and then, on the other hand, being a good shepherd, where I lay down my life for others, and it seems that I have nothing to gain. But we lose this idea of what really agape is. And it's not simply this kind of disinterested, selfless love. This man who laid down his life for his family in this film, and obviously Christ who lays down his life for his sheep, does not act like a hireling because they don't seek their own good. They've laid down their life and they've identified so deeply with the one whom they love that their welfare is now lost in the welfare of the other. And this is the key, is that the one who loves with the love of God has already obtained his reward. He has already, in a sense, obtained the one whom he loves because he identifies with that person's welfare. And so it is a lot less to lay down his life for the welfare of his sheep because he is so deeply belonging to the other person. His welfare is the other's welfare. And so Christ lays down his life for a sheep and we um, can share in his ability to be a good shepherd because the love of God has already put, been put within us. We a lot of times think like, okay, like I have to suck it up in this life and um, in the next life I am somewhat rewarded for the sacrifices that I've made. But Christ knows and speaks of the eternal life that we already share. Not the afterlife, but the eternal life. That the one who is already in a state of grace and has the charity, the agape, the love of God dwelling within him, already has a pledge of eternal life, a share, a taste, a foretaste of heaven. And so whenever he participates in the love of God, whenever he identifies himself, with those he is responsible for, 
caring for their welfare more than for his own, then he already has the pledge of eternal life. He already has the reward. The reward of the Father who sees in secret, who rewards him in secret. And so we ask that the Lord can dispel the myth that by living as a hireling, that we can obtain a reward that we crave. Because the one reward that we crave and whose image and likeness we are made for and whose heart we belong to is the heart of God. And so offering ourselves for those who are also made in his image and likeness, the church, asking that and receiving Christ who lays down his life for us in the Eucharist, who may in turn desire to lay down our life for him and our brother.